the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Luke gave this story about shepherds for a reason, that Jesus was coming not for the proud and powerful, but for the outcasts, the humble, those that are low on the lists of social, that his salvation is for everyone, for all of us. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, the host of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. That's what you're listening to, Study Verse by Verse. And I'm Mike Trout. Pastor Leighton is in the book of Luke, the second chapter, speaking specifically about the shepherd's role in the announcement of Christ's coming to earth. If you've missed any of these uh, broadcasts in this Advent series, you can listen to them or download them at studyversebyverse.com. At studyversebyverse.com, you can also contribute to this ministry there safely. Studyversebyverse.com. When we left you on Monday, Pastor Layton was going through a list of descriptions of this baby, Jesus Christ, and we pick it up toward the end of that list. And then... Another title is used of, of speaking of Jesus, and that is Savior. And it, it, it elicits all of those Old Testament references about God being our salvation. Again, it was a contrast to the earthly Caesars, because uh, when Augustus was, uh, he would have called himself a Savior. Uh, people looked at the emperor as saving them from uh, wars and famines and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and this is told, the first announcement is made to shepherds. Now, it's remarkable because shepherds in the social strata of that time, they were near the lowest of the low. And, uh, and, and there were a number of reasons for that. The nature of their work didn't allow them to keep themselves ceremonially clean, so they couldn't go uh, into the temple and worship. Um, furthermore, they had a reputation of being liars and thieves, and the reputation was so profound that we understand that their testimony wasn't even allowed in courts because it assumed that they weren't going to be telling the truth. Uh, And They they were the, the outcasts of their society, and yet God sent his angel to make the announcement of salvation to the outcasts, to the outcasts. Now, there's also another possibility here, and that is that these may have been very special shepherds. And the reason I say that is that Bethlehem, as I noted earlier, is only six miles from Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem is the temple. And in the temple, there are daily sacrifices that require lamb, lambs. And uh, those lambs, according to the, the requirements, have to be without blemish. And so what they would do is they would keep a special flocks of lamb in the pasture, and they would keep those special flocks near Bethlehem. The lambs that were destined for sacrifice were kept in pastures near Bethlehem. It's very possible that the shepherds that this announcement was made to were those shepherds. 
which is really remarkable because those shepherds were the first to see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of us all, the sin of the world. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This will be a sign for you. Now, the purpose of a sign is to point the way towards a destination and identify the destination when you get there. So, for instance, outside of our building here, we have some signs that say Church of the Highlands, so that people who are looking for Church of the Highlands know when they have arrived at Church of the Highlands. Now, the shepherds didn't ask for a sign like Zechariah did, but the angel expected these shepherds to go looking for this child. In fact, the way it's phrased, it's basically an invitation from the angel. Why don't you go and see for yourself? And uh, you shall find it's in the future tense, so it takes for granted that the shepherds are going to go looking, and it also assures them that they will find the child. And the reason that the angel gives this sign and describes the child is because with all of the descriptions he's given thus far, God incarnate, uh, the promised Messiah, the, and so forth, there would be an expectation you would find this child in a palace or a home of some wealthy or powerful person. You wouldn't find this child in a manger. And so the angel wanted to make sure that they were looking in the right place and they would know the child when they found him. And Luke here sets the stage for the rest of the gospel, describing how Jesus took 12 ordinary men and ministered to ordinary people, that God is interested in ordinary people like you and like me. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so suddenly all heaven is filled with angels in praise. Aren't, aren't you glad they didn't all show up at first? Because if one angel scared the shepherds, imagine how scared they'd be if the whole sky was filled with angels. Now, somebody might say, well, how many angels are there? And the answer is, we don't know. It's, you can't count them. When uh, John was writing Revelation, Revelation 5.11 said, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. What he's saying is you can't count them. There's just way too many angels to count them. And then it, glory to God focuses the praise on the one who has set these events into motion and has brought them to pass. And the peace that he's talking about here is the peace that only the Messiah, the Savior, can bring. It's not a peace in terms of being an absence of conflict, but rather the peace between sinful mankind and holy God. And the, the praise is to men on whom God's favor rests. How do we get God's favor? By accepting and receiving this Christ child as our Savior and Lord. So the phrase is a clarification that, that, that there's, it's not universal salvation. But this peace between you and God is for people on whom God's favor rests. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then God's favor rests upon us. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. Mary treasured these things. Treasured there means a reflection. And pondering in the heart means that she's considering it, and she's mulling it over, and she's thinking, she's trying to understand it. And she had a lot to think about when she looked into the face of this tiny child because Gabriel had told her that this child was going to reign forever and that the, the, the shepherds reported that he's the Savior, the Christ. And, and so she had much to ponder. And the shepherds went and they told everybody about what had happened. The people were astonished, which is astonishing, by the way, because they're just shepherds. And, you know, some people, as I mentioned before, might think, hey, those shepherds, you know, they, they, they're not known for exactly telling the truth. And, uh, you know, maybe they've been out in the fields a little too long, you know, uh, or they've uh, had a little too much or whatever the case might be. But the people who heard their, their story were astonished. It impacted them. Why is that? Because they were talking about something they had experienced, not just heard about. And... And there's a world of difference how you're going to impact someone when you tell them about something you've experienced compared to something that you've heard about. And and there there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who talk about what they've heard about, but they really haven't experienced what they're talking about. And I'd I'd like to challenge you, if you're one of those people that you just ask God to make himself more real to you, so you can experience Him in your life. Now, i got to warn you, if you do that, you're also asking for trouble. Because the times that you most experience God are not the comfortable, feel-good times in your life. They're the times that are uncomfortable, and the times that are difficult. And that's the time those are the times when you experience the reality of God. And when you go through those times and you've experienced that reality and you talk with others, they're going to be astonished. There's going to be an impact. You know, William Barclay told a story of a European monarch who would worry his staff because he would disappear and he'd walk incognito among his people. And uh, so uh, his staff asked him not to do that because they were concerned about his security. And he said, I cannot rule my people unless I know how they live. I can't rule my people unless I know how they live. I need to walk among them so I can understand what they experience on a daily basis. Their weaknesses, their, their, their stresses, the, the, the temptations, and so forth. And isn't it incredible that God, our King, the King of Kings, has walked among us, and He knows our infirmities. Hebrews talks about uh, he's, he, he, he has experienced what we've experienced, uh, the temptations, and yet he was without sin. He knows about what we deal with. He knows about you. He knows about me. And he understands us because he came into this world as a human being. And, and it also means that we can know something about God because He has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now, we talked about Christ, but the real question is, have you received Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior and Lord? 
Have you asked him to be your Savior and Lord? Asked him to reveal himself to you, reveal himself in you, to change you, to transform you by the work of his word and his spirit within you. If you've not done that, I want to encourage you to make this the day of that decision. And we've got some wonderful people over in hospitality that would love to talk with you and answer the questions that you might have and help you in that process of finalizing that decision. Jesus Christ is not only the Savior of the world, He is my Savior and Lord. And you don't have to be in the congregation on a Saturday or a Sunday to get your questions answered. You can place a call to the church anytime, and those details are on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You'll also find information about special activities throughout the month of December at Church of the Highlands. And if you'd like to download or listen again to any past broadcasts, you can do that on our ministry website, where you can also contribute to this outreach. It's studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know that you listen. You can share that fact with us when you go to either of those websites. Have a great rest of your day and be back on Wednesday when we'll once more open the Word of God and study verse by verse.